Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family. Go to a land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed. Everyone help me say these last two words, through you. Everybody say through you. Come on, a little like you drink some coffee this morning. Through you. See, because what God wants to do in you and what God wants to do for you can't stop with you. God wants to do something through you. So I want to I talk today from this subject, one life, one life. What could God do through just one life? Amen. If our vision could even expand bigger, and I'm going to talk about this on Tuesday, what could God do through one church? Wow. One life, one life. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that is found in your house. Thank you for all the people that you've brought here today. Thank you for every person that pressed through the, the busyness of their schedule, maybe the, the fears of pandemics, maybe the, the worries of, is this the right church for me or should I be going? Lord, I just thank you that you've drawn us here. I really do believe you have. And you haven't drawn them here to hear me drawn them here because there's a word in this house for them today. Speak, Lord. We are listening. And if you're ready for a great word from the Lord, can you say amen, everybody? Amen and amen. Uh, I love love God for a lot of reasons. I've been walking with Jesus now um, since 1998, and I've been in full-time ministry. Actually, this summer, I will celebrate 20 years of full-time ministry. Um, I got my first job at a church when I was 18, and I'm now 38, and I haven't done anything else for the last 20 years, and I'm so grateful for that. Now, my first job uh, was leading worship and a janitor, turn up. So it wasn't always so glamorous. There was a real toilet bowl ministry happening, and trash ministry, and uh, but, but 20 years now, and, and I love God for a lot of reasons, but I really love that he uses people. I love that about God. I love that God didn't just say, I'm going to do everything and you're going to watch. But, but he actually includes, it's his story. Now, don't, don't get it twisted. You're not the star. It's his story, but he lets us in on it. He lets us play a part in it. That, that what he does in the earth, he does through his people. He uses us, and he doesn't use perfect people because they don't exist, so he can't. So he uses us in our immaturity, in our imperfections, in our issues, in our sometimes bad attitudes. He, he uses us right now. He doesn't wait for us to get it all together and then use us. And anyone that you're looking at that you think has it all together, including me, doesn't have it all together. We just know how to act right on Sundays. Amen. Praise the Lord. First, <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, a few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. 
Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things, things being us, by the way. The, we are the things. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God can take just one person, just one life to make a difference in the world. So if, if you're sitting here today feeling unqualified, feeling like you're not good enough, feeling like you're not spiritual enough, feeling like you don't pray enough or know enough, I just want to tell you that God is enough and God can use your life. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called and you're called. Can you say amen, everybody? And can I remind you that if God has called you, then no one can cancel you. And if God has called you, don't wait another moment to step into that call. Use what you got and let God use you. And, and you're going, well, what, what do I have? Well, you know what you have because when God called Moses in Exodus chapter 3, Moses' response was like a lot of yours in this room. God says, I'm going to use you. And Moses says, you can't use me. I can't even talk. So God says, don't worry about the talking. I'll let Aaron do the talking for you. Which is just a really cool side note, by the way, because we think of, we think of Moses standing before Pharaoh going, let my people go. He didn't say it. Aaron said it. Moses wrote it down, handed it to Aaron, and then Aaron said it. But we give Moses the credit. I love God. He's awesome. So, so Moses says, I can't talk. God says, then I won't use your mouth. He said, what's in your hand? He said, a shepherd's staff is in my hand. He said, I'll use that. See, whatever you do have, God can use. Whatever talents you do have, God can use. Whatever passions you do have, God can use. Whatever gifts you do have, God can use. Not every gift should be on this platform. We've, we've made this gift the supreme gift, but this gift don't happen without your gift. This doesn't function without the body of Christ. So yes, some people use their mouth, but most people will use their hands, their talents, their abilities. They'll use whatever God has given them for the glory of God. It may not look spiritual. It may not look that holy, but I'm telling you right now, if you'll use whatever God gave you, God can do something amazing with your life. But if you want your life to make an impact into eternity, and don't forget there is an eternity. YOLO isn't real. I don't know if you know that. Anybody know what YOLO is? A famous philosopher named Drake said, YOLO, you only live once. That's not true. It's, it's actually Yalt. You actually live twice. <laughs> it's not as cool, but it's true. And I'll take true over cool. Yeah. Because what you do here reverberates there. Yeah. 
and how I act here reverberates there. And so I'm not just living to, see, this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if the resurrection isn't real, then we can just eat and drink and be merry and live our lives YOLO. But Paul says, no, there's actually a life after this life. It's the real life. It's the eternal life. So what I do now actually matters because what I do now is going to affect eternity. It's going to affect souls. It's going to affect people. And what I do now will affect the next generation. So even when I'm not here, I want my life to outlive me. I want my legacy to outlast me. And I don't want to just live for me for 80 years, 100 years, 150 years. I want my life to make an impact in who's coming after me. And if you want your life to make an impact, if you, if you, if you want your one life to do something awesome, then you need one word. You need one word. Notice how God begins in verse 1. The Lord said. Now, God never shows up in Scripture without talking. God never just shows up and... God's never thrown his hands up. I don't know. God always has a word. God has a word for your situation. God has a word for your marriage. God has a word for your business. God has a word for your child. God always has a word. If, if God's moving, God's talking. If, God's, if, if, if God is, is showing up in your life, he's a speaking God. Again and again in Scripture, God meets with his people. And notice who shows up to Abram, the Lord. This is the Hebrew word Yahweh. Or in our English transliteration, it could be Jehovah. Yahweh is the most holy and most appropriate name for God. See, God is a title. Yahweh is his name. Does that make sense? So, so he is God, but his name is Yahweh. I, I am a human, but my name is Jabin. God's name is Yahweh, and this is his most holy and appropriate name. This name Yahweh means the uncreated one. No one made him up. The pre-existent one. He was here before anybody else. He's the God, capital G, above all small g gods. And he's Lord, capital L, above all small l lords. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like something in the New Testament about King of Kings, Lord of Lords? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when God introduces himself to Abram, he says, Abram, I'm all you need. See, Abram was a polytheist. What does that mean? It means he had a God for every need. So if you needed rain, you prayed to the rain God. And if you needed fire, you prayed to the fire God. If you needed grain, you prayed to the grain God. If you needed a baby, you prayed to the baby God. If your spouse was acting up, you prayed to the spouse acting up God. <laughs> if you needed sunshine, you prayed to the sunshine God. They, they had a God for everything. And now God... Yahweh comes to Abram and he says, you don't need all these small g gods anymore because you now have capital G God, the OG, <sighs> the original God, <laughs> the only God that you need. And now, Abram, when you need rain, you come talk to me. And when you need food and you're in famine, you come talk to me. And when your, baby, when your wife needs a baby, you come talk to me. And whenever you need provision, you come talk to me. And when you're in trouble with your enemies, you come talk to me. You ain't going to need all those other little G gods anymore because you have Yahweh God now. And a lot of you are rolling your eyes right now going, yeah, Jamin, I'm an American. I know there's only one God. No, no, we settle for a lot of little G gods. We settle for the God of popularity. We settle for the God 
of wokeness. We settle for the God of culture. We settle for the God of addiction. We settle for the God of hate. We settle for the God of pride. We settle for the God of jealousy and insecurity and fear. We, we have settled for many little gods that make us feel safe but can do nothing for us. And I've come to tell a bunch of Americans on a Sunday morning, there is only one God. His name is Yahweh God. His name is Jesus, and you don't need all these other little gods that you think are helping you, that are really hurting you. Yahweh is here, and if Yahweh is here, anything is possible, and when Yahweh shows up, he talks. Our God is not an idea. He is real. He is not a concept. He is alive. He is not a historical rumor. He is moving and active in this world, and he is not distant. He is here. God can be known. His voice can be heard, and his presence can be felt. All you need is a word from God. My life has been shaped by words from God. I don't get a word from God every day. I wish I did. I don't. But I've gotten words from God when I needed him. I got a word from God about our marriage. I got a word from God about traveling. And that was something that we did for eight years of our life as we traveled and preached. I got a word from God about planting a church in Las Vegas. I've gotten words from God over different seasons of this ministry now as we've celebrated four years. I've, I've gotten a word from God every November. We receive this thing called a miracle offering. And every November, God's talked to me, told me what to give. And every word from God has shaped me. And every word from God has changed me. And every word from God has made me a little more like Jesus. And every word from God that I've obeyed has transformed my life. And you can get a word from God. And you need a word from God. Don't, don't walk through life in a fog hoping and wondering and wondering. Get a word from God for your business. Get a word from God for your marriage. Get a word from God for your future. Get a word from God. If, if you ask, Jesus said, you will receive. One word. But with every word comes risk. So number two is one risk. Here's the word. Y'all ready for the word? Here was the word in verse 1. It wasn't like, Abram, I'm the Lord and I love you. You all know what the word, did you all see it in verse 1? The, the word is leave. <laughs> Get moving. Leave your native country. Leave your relatives. Leave your family. Leave your father's family. Uh, we, we don't like this because we love comfort. Because we're American, so we have comfort food. <laughs> and, we have, and we have comfort control now on our apps to control our house. And we have, we have comfortable chairs called Lazy Boys. And <laughs> we, have, we, we love comfort. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm here to say I love it too. We don't eat uncomfortable food. We eat comfort food. We don't... It's not Thanksgiving. We're like, let's just do salad. Just, no, we want <laughs> gravy. And... But what God is calling you into will be uncomfortable. See, you can have control or you can have faith, but you can't have both. <laughs> oh, man, and many want control and faith, and it doesn't work that way. 
Because when you have faith, you yield control. When you have faith, you give that control over to God. When you, when you have faith, you're going to let God do the heavy lifting. And many of us want to control our life and have a faith in God. And God says those two things cannot coexist. You're going to have to give that over to me, have faith in me, and trust me that I can do for your life so much more than you could ever do for your life. Everything you want in your life is outside of your comfort zone. Everything, everything, every good thing you want, every good thing you're believing God for, everything, every good thing you're trusting God for, it's going to happen outside, not inside, outside of your comfort zone. It's where your faith grows. It's where your trust grows. It's where your knowledge of God grows. But you got, but you got to leave your family. You got to leave familiar. You, you got to leave what you know to enter into what you don't know, but God knows. And a lot of you are comfortable with what you know, but you haven't even experienced yet what God knows. Oh, my God. So you're comfortable with a life that you understand when you could step into a life that only God understands, but it's so much bigger than you. It's so much greater than you. It has so much more impact than you, but you're going to have to leave your comfort zone to get it. So many people experience a level of connection and walk with Jesus, and I've seen this now for over 20 years, and then they go back. They go back to their old life. Why? They go back because they couldn't leave familiar. Familiar. It's not good. It's just familiar. I didn't like it, but I knew it. I don't like the old me, but I know the old me. I don't like the old her, but I know the old her. I don't like what my temper would do, but I knew how to act in confrontation. I didn't like my addictions and proclivities and bents, but at least I knew how to act whenever I was tempted. It was all very familiar. I knew that me. And now God's calling me into a new creation. He's calling me into a new life. And he's calling me into a new faith. And it's so unfamiliar. It's so different. And I don't like different because I'm an American. I don't like change. I don't like, I don't like to be uncomfortable. But until you get uncomfortable for God is only when you can be comforted by, by God. And a lot of you, you're, you're, you're choosing your own comfort over the comfort of the Holy Spirit. But he only comforts those who are willing to take the step of faith. I'm talking about risk. And it's quiet in this Pentecostal church because we don't like risk. Because it's new. So Jesus would do this over and over again. I don't know if it's insulting to you. It's insulting to me. You read the Gospels and Jesus would look at sick people and go, so you want to get better or what? <laughs> like you're trying to get healed? Like what's happening today? Do you want to get healed? And, and, and you might be offended by that like I'm offended by that. But Jesus knows something that we, we actually do know if we would admit it. Are you willing to walk by faith when you've been carried by culture? Are you willing to walk by faith when you've just gone down the streams of what society has told you to do? Are you willing to walk by faith when you've just been carried by the winds and the waves of this world? Are you willing to walk by faith when all you've ever known is whatever they tell you to do is what you do? 
Are you willing to walk by faith into the unfamiliar? It's new. It's different. It's awkward. You're in a new situation. You're in, you don't know what to do on a Friday night anymore because you had your Fridays down, and now you're trying to walk with Jesus, and now Fridays look different. And, and work looks different because you knew how to joke around, and, and, and you, knew, you knew how to act in front of your coworkers, but now you're trying to be saved, and now the jokes aren't as funny, and, and, and you don't enjoy them as much, but you also don't understand the tension of what God's doing in your life. You got to leave the familiar. You got to leave your country. You got to leave familiar family. Uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not telling you to not be nice to your family. I'm telling you, don't live just for family approval. Well, if I really start walking this way, what's uncle going to say? What's auntie going to say? What's mama going to say? Listen, I will take a awkward Christmas in the will of God. But we don't want tension at Thanksgiving. We don't want to fight around the 4th of July, so we just go back to the old. But, God, but God's, saying, God's saying, leave the old to embrace the new, but you can't have both at the same time. Huh. I'm challenging you to take a risk. I'm, I'm challenging you to leave familiar. I'm, I'm challenging you to leave your comfort zone. Friend, it was more comfortable for Abram to stay where he was. It was more comfortable for David to stay with the sheep. It was more comfortable for Gideon to stay in the press. It was more comfortable for Elisha to tread the fields. It was more comfortable for Peter to stay in the boat. And it was more comfortable for the apostles to stay in Jerusalem. But nothing great happens in the comfort zone. So God is calling us into the unknown where only he knows where our ability ends and his ability begins where his grace is sufficient where miracles happen come on Abram come on Sarai it's time to leave it's time to move it's time it's time to leave what you've known to enter into what God knows and every time God speaks and every time God calls us into something new it, it takes time to get used to it but it's worth it. One risk. One risk. And, and lastly, one move. One move. Whew, we're back to the summer. I'm getting hot again when I'm preaching. Here's, here's God's word, go. That's his word, go. Now, now, now notice what God will do. Verse 1, go to the land I will show you and I will make you. Ooh, this is good. I know you don't know it yet. I know it because I cooked it, but it's going to be really good in a second. You're going to love this. You're going to love this portion of the meal, I promise you. Go, and I will make. Go, and I will make. If you will go, God will make. If you'll obey, God will do the heavy lifting. See, a lot of you are trying to make something of your life without God, but God wants to make something of your life. Because what God makes of your life would be a lot better than what you make of your life. So we want to we wanna make something of our life without movement. And God goes, no, why don't you just go? Why don't you just obey the last thing I told you to do? And I will make. And, and whatever God makes is not trash. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to do a great work in your life. 
I'm going to do an awesome thing with your family. I'm going, to, I'm going to do an awesome work with your last name. I'm going to do an awesome work with your children. If you will go, I will make. God says, go. Abram says, where? God says, I'll show you. Not really clear. But just start moving. And in the moving, there is a making. Mm. Step by step, day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment, if we will move, and we have a lot of sedentary Christians in the body of Christ in America. We have a lot of people that don't want to move. We want to watch. Can I just submit to you that if, if, if this is your experience with God alone for 55 minutes on a Sunday, you don't follow Jesus. You watch me follow Jesus. Because I'm funny and you never quite know what I'm going to say and the music's good. But you need something more than a show. You got to move. This becomes awesome when you activate it. This becomes awesome when you move it to Monday. Mm. This becomes awesome when you take it to Tuesday. This becomes awesome when you work it on Wednesday. Okay, I'm going to stop right now. But can I just tell you that, that this is great, but it's, it's not great if it's the only thing you eat all week. Because if you eat one meal a week, you're going to die. <laughs> you got to move. See, so here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. It's impossible to follow Jesus without movement. Now, now, Old Testament Yahweh says, follow me and I'll make you a great nation. New Testament Yahweh says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Notice, Old and New Testament, God wants to make something of your life, but you have to follow. So the message of the new and the message of the old is the same, follow. And if we will follow, God will make. And if we will follow, God will transform. And if we will follow, God will do something. But, but you got to move because to follow is to move. This, this means that Jesus is moving. See, we say real cool, sweet religious stuff when we, when we preach. Things like, brother, no matter how far you've walked from God, he's still right there. And it's like, you know, I know you left, but he never left. No, he kind of did because he's still moving. I know you walked away, but he never moved. He kind of did. He, now, you can catch up real quick because he's awesome and he's gracious. But let's, this, God, this isn't God. Just like. God. God's moving. Let's pray for a move of God. There, there, there's nothing to pray. We're, and this is, why God, this is why we don't see God moving in our churches because we're praying for the wrong thing. We're praying for God to move when we need to move. We're praying for God to act when we need to act. We're praying for God to do something that he's already done when it's time for us to do something we've never done. God, move. He's like, I am. But you're not following. And in the following, in the going, in the moving, he is making. Now, let me just remind you of something. You never follow God horizontally. Ooh, I got good news for you. This, this is not your walk with God. Nope. You always follow Jesus vertically. 
He is the God of more than enough, and he is the God that takes your life higher. You'll never follow God, and he'll take you down. If you follow God, you'll always begin an upward trajectory with him. He didn't say, follow me, and I'm going to make your life terrible, Abram. No, he said, follow me. And I'll make your name great. I will bless you. I'll make you a great nation. I'm going to do something with your household. God is, God is saying, if you'll follow me, I will do what you cannot do for yourself. He's always taking us higher, increasing our hearts, expanding our mindsets, preparing us for impact, and making us into his image. If you follow Jesus, you're going to look like Jesus. And you're always going to be on an ascent upwards because this is who our God is. And when we do the moving, God does the making. And even when it doesn't feel like it. I literally just right before this service, I was talking to a friend and they were talking about how they lost the job and what God has already done for them in, in the last few weeks. And here was, here was her testimony. She didn't know I was preaching this. She goes, I would have responded so differently in my past. She goes, the last time I lost a job, I freaked out. And this time I just had peace. You know what that is? That's God taking you higher. You didn't even know it. You didn't even know he was changing you until you got in a situation and you went, oh, my, I'm not even the same. I thought, last time I ought to cuss that person out. Last time I ought to slap somebody. <laughs> last time I ought to, security, security. Last time I would have. Last time I would have given into the temptation. Last time I would have responded to the text. But now, man, I didn't even know. I didn't even know it. But as I was following, I was going higher. As I was following, God was taking me to a new level. See, Psalm 84 says we're going from strength to strength. John 1 says we're going from grace to grace. Romans 1 says we're going from faith to faith. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says we're going from glory to glory. This is God's plan for your life. Sorry. This is it. It's a good plan. And what could God do through one life who gets one word, who takes one risk, who, who makes one move? What move could you make this week? What risk could you take this week? What word could you get this week? What if you treated this week as sacred because it is? What if you got quiet with God this week and quiet with his word? And What could God do? What could God do through, through this little prayer list as you begin to pray for your friends and family? What, what could God do in your business? What could God do with your family? Just one word. Just one word. What if you started praying for your spouse instead of complaining about your spouse? What, what if you had as much faith in God as you have in your therapist? I'm not against therapy. I think therapy is great. I think prayer is greater. And I think we're talking to people about spiritual problems and wondering why we're not getting changed. It's because we're trying to do it in the flesh. I don't know, I don't know where this came from. That's not in my notes. And I'm going to move that real quick. Because we love our therapy. And I'm glad you go to therapy. But my question is, what if, what if you took your spouse to God? What if you took your child to the throne? 
What if you took your job to the, to the throne of grace and said, God, I need a word for my job. I need a word for my family. I need a word for my future. I, I'm just telling you, God will begin to talk to you. What, if you. what if you made one move in the right direction? What if you took one risk this week that, that required faith? What could God do through you? And if, and if God could do it through individuals, God could do it through a church. And what could God do through this church if we were surrendered? What could God do through this church? Let me have the keys come up. What, what could God do through this church if we, if we all took responsibility for our life? Well, I'm telling you, we could change a city. We could, we could change people's lives forever. Huh. One life. Now, what's, what's the first move? The first move is if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, that's your move. That's your word. That's your risk. To lay down your life and pick up the life of Christ, to surrender your life to him, to receive his forgiveness, to receive his grace, to receive his plan for your life. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, you've never began this relationship, it, we're going to help you today. And this is the beginning for you. People are watching online. People are in correctional facilities right now. Like, what, what do I do? Call on his name. And you watch what he'll do in your life. So I want every head bowed, every eye closed in this sacred space called prayer. If, you, if you're here right now and you'd say, Jabin, I've never, I've never made that move towards God never surrendered my life to Jesus. I've never followed him. And he's telling me right now, it's time to go, man. It's time to follow me. It's time to move. This is your moment. Pray with me. Everyone out loud is going to pray, but it's going to mean so much for you. Men and women in correctional facilities right now going, is there hope for me? Can God still do something with my life? Absolutely. Pray with me. Everybody out loud together say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I give you every part of my life. And I declare, Jesus is Lord of my life. No one moving, no one looking around. If you're in this room right now, I'm going to ask you in one moment to lift your hand if that was you. I'm going to ask you in correctional facilities in a moment to lift your hand. I'm going to ask you if you're watching online to hop in the chat and say, this is me. I'm, I'm praying this prayer right now. But if that's you right now and you'd say, Jabin, I'm giving my life to Jesus today. Or I'm giving my life back to God. I've, I've walked away from the Lord and I need to come home. If that's you, on the count of three, if that was your prayer, that was, that was for you. This whole moment was for you. Jabin, I'm giving my life to Jesus or I'm rededicating my life to Christ. If that's you. On the count of three, would you just raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see? And I want to just acknowledge you in this moment. One, two, three. Can I see your hand? Can I see your hand? I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you over here. I see you over here. Anyone else? I see you right here. Anybody else? See you right there. Beautiful. Anyone else? Anyone else? Wonderful. Right there. I see you. I see you. Beautiful. Wonderful. I see you back here. Here. Beautiful. Beautiful. I know. I know. People online right now are saying that's me. I'm giving my life to Jesus. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same.
never be the same. Wonderful. So good to see. Amen. Church, can we celebrate so many people today who just said...